Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched 976 Evil 2. In 976 Evil 2, the town of Slate River is being terrorized by a serial killer. A suspect is behind bars, but people are still dying in unexplained ways, and local college student Robin, played by Debbie James, is having visions of the murders. After surviving the events of the first film, Spike, played by Patrick O'Brien, rides into town to stop the satanic dial-in horoscope phone line that he believes is responsible. Screenplay by Eric Greenberg-Anjou, directed by Jim Wynarski, and released on home video in the United Kingdom on December 31st, 1991. Have you seen 96976 Evil 2, 1, no, any of them? Me neither. <laughs> You've heard of them, though? I've heard, uh, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, I'm familiar with the box covers. Yeah. Uh, never something that I, you know, wanted to watch before, in, in my, you know, more horror-adverse days. Yeah, I'm surprised that I haven't, because I used to watch, like, random horror, like, whatever was on TV a lot, and I don't remember this and being you think... on TV a lot. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it was, yeah, it was on USA Up All Night, but I don't remember watching this. Yeah, but it might not have been on pay cable stations where you watched a lot of your movies uh, as well. So. Yeah, I mean, because I remember watching a lot of, like, I remember Dolls and House and stuff like that always being on. A little on. bit more mainstream stuff. Yeah. I think both of the 976 Evils were Not video mainstream. only. Oh, okay, well then, yeah, I never really went to a video store to get horror movies. Yeah, so most of the direct-to-video stuff doesn't make its way onto, like, Cinemax or HBO, HBO. or, or um, Showtime. I think those are the three major players at the time. Movie Channel, I think, was the fourth. Anyway, uh, so, you know, you needed things like USA Up All Night to introduce you to those types of movies if you weren't willing to or are not able to watch them on your own because they're R-rated and you're not old enough to write R-rated movies. In yeah. I'm not too, too surprised, because I don't know how successful the first one is. Obviously, it was successful enough to get a sequel, I guess. But, mm. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, unless it has a lot of well-known death scenes, or, you know, like, there's there needs to be some sort of reason to watch some of these schlockier direct-to-video things. And maybe because it the was phone gimmick is a good one directed by Robert England, but I don't. Yeah, like a lot of his fans would be like, "Okay, he directed a movie. I'm interested." Yeah, you think that, that might be. It, it made three million 
in the box office. Oh, so that one was released theatrically. The first one. Oh, okay. Okay. My mistake. This one was not. Yeah. It, it came to... Um, again, this is off of IMDb, and so if it's wrong, then oh well. But that's where we get our data information across the board, just because it's so so difficult to really monitor and police that. So, yeah, IMDb says a UK video release on December 31st, which doesn't sound right, honestly. Like, who would release... Who would premiere something on New Year's Eve? That doesn't make sense, yeah. but... Um, that's the best information we have. Every source that we show says it's a 1991 movie, but it was released in 1992 in the U.S. market, so well, whatever. Not released in the theaters. We can pretty much confirm that that's the case. Which is a shame, because I think I like this one better than the first one. The death scenes were better in this one. Because they were visible, for one. I mean... In the, in the yes. first movie, they're pretty much all done off-screen. Yeah, ex like, except for the girl with the spiders, but that's about it. Yeah. But even that, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's not that intriguing. You see spiders crawling on her, and then, what, he smashes, he smashes, he smashes the spider on his side of the astral plane, I guess we'll call it. Right. And then you just see her dead with yeah, blood. Yeah, it's like as if someone so, stabbed her and she just goes lifeless. So you don't get to see much of that and there's like that impaling scene and you only see what happens after they're already impaled and then like in the one shot they have the, the camera panning over the bathroom stalls so you don't get to see anything either. So yeah, it's it was kind of disappointing. So this one you actually get to see more of it. Yeah. And, and it starts off pretty strong with an opening scene where you have your yeah, it starts off, I mean, that, I will, yeah, I will say I like this one more because it just, it, I mean, we were both saying this is like the movie Pieces. It just mm -hmm. starts off immediately with a kill, which is like what you kind of want. And it's a, also like a lone girl alone in a school at night. <laughs> yeah, sort of like it, Pieces was yeah, as in well. Yeah, Pieces, yeah, with the dancer, like that yeah. whole, and she was just, in this one, she was swimming. And then and showering, she gets showering, and then gets killed, and then and then ends up um, getting but, chased out of the locker room into a, the auditorium where there's a set piece. You know, yeah, like, like a drama. They're, they're doing a Faust, is what the sign says. There's like a little Easter egg thing where it says Faust, directed by Joe Bob Briggs, mm -hmm. um, and Roger Gorman. I think is the other thing, which is meant to be like a Roger Corman illusion there too. But it's a really cool set with, you know, flames coming out of things. Yeah, it was and it's really elaborate set Kind piece. of like how Popcorn was. More the elaborate, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Like how the father did that whole scene on stage. Yeah. It, this is kind of like the same, like a sacrifice on, on a stage. Pretty much, except without an audience. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, this girl, Lori, is someone who is, I don't know, she ends up, she ends up basically being tied up to a, some sort of, like, platform. Rock thing. Yeah, rock it looks like a rocket. And then there's a stalactite that falls down and impales her and kills her. 
Yeah, but, okay, I don't... They just started off with that, but why... Okay, so I we all know from, like, the first movie, it's like, you call this number, and then, you know, it's like this demon or the devil takes over your body to get whatever... Like, you have to kill, and then you get whatever you want. You just have, yeah, you have to follow the devil's directions. So it's just like, kill anyone. Basically. Because, I mean, because at that point, after, after that girl's death, Lori, there's been deaths before that because they're looking for a serial killer in that town. Yeah. But we don't know that until after her death. Yeah, the opening scene is... So this guy was... Killing, we don't even know how many other people beforehand. Lori was the fifth within fifth four month. months, according to the broadcast. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. So I was just thinking, I guess that's what the devil told him to do. Because I was like, why? <laughs> why her? Like, it's just kill anyone or kill... That we don't know from the phone students calls. Students. Because, we, yeah, this... we don't get to see the phone calls. Yeah. But later on we learn that the killer... Who is the dean of the school, uh, Mr. Grubeck? He calls the the the, the number Nancy, again, yeah. and and the devil basically says, you know, you want if you want the big power, you have to keep on killing. There's still one more person who is more powerful than you. Although we never get to is see it the who girl? that is. Is it Robin? I don't know. Maybe, but they never actually say. Or is it? Um, I Spike? thought that. Maybe. Because Spike, it's like, with Spike, it's kind of like Final Destination. He keeps on, like... Spike and Robin both have the visions. Yeah. But I thought that Robin was getting the visions because Grubeck gave her that power. You know, because there's that one scene where... he touched her. He touches her and and the arm is glowing. Yeah, and she kind of passes out. But, like... But she also had the vision of Lori getting killed before that scene, even. So I, I, I got the impression that... That Grubeck gave her some sort of power to kind of like lure her in because he wants to be her husband, devil husband or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, like maybe she was like a way of like manipulating her cho- mind. She was the chosen one for him or whatever. That's what he thinks. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh, maybe Spike is the maybe. other chosen one because he is the only person ha- that has called the number and hasn't died. Basically. Yeah. Or been taken over by the devil. Right. He's been like cheating death. Yeah. So the way it works um, is there's a 976 card. And for those that don't even know this, 976 is a form of like 1-900 number, which is a paid service where you pay X amount of dollars um, every minute that you are on the phone, and it's a specialized service. So we've been doing that on our USA Up All Night episodes this whole month. You know, most of it's like phone sex lines, but for kids you have things like, hey, talk to new kids on the block, or, you know, talk to... Uh, NWA or you know like there's NWA they had one like oh, they know, did they did it, it, like and you know or like, like dial this number and get a joke of the day there's uh, all kinds of different, yeah it like, was like money making scams Santa Claus like call Santa yeah or there yeah. was like Leave one your wish for Santa yeah or there's like yeah, for the kids stuff there was like you want to hear a scary story call this yeah all, all kinds of stuff like that 
but primarily if you hear something like 976 it's it's a shady number 900 numbers are kind of manipulative in that mm-hmm. regard but a lot of them are also you know psychic phone lines like miss cleo is probably the most famous one of them all yeah um you know, it's that type of thing. But 976 was just like a precursor to the more general 1-900 number. So you're calling this 976 number, and then you dial 666 to get your horror scope. Mm-hmm. And then uh, basically it, it will tell you something that you want to hear or that you want to have happen and give you clues as to how it will be done or how you need to go about this. Yeah. And if you don't do it, the phone service gets mad at you will call you back or mm-hmm. do things to you in real life, manipulate the real word, world to hurt or kill you if you don't do what it says. That's the general premise of the movie, which is good. It's a strong yeah, it's one. interesting. I, I, I think... Um, I didn't... So in the first movie, we are revealed that like the person who's behind the 976 number is this Mark Dark guy. Mark Dark. But they don't... I wish they brought him back in the second one. Yeah, I really do. That That's a big... Because it's revealed that... Well, in the first one, they go to the... I don't know, the hotline to visit it. Yeah, there's like a private investigator who's there to... Yeah, who's to... at the, the parent company with all kinds of different cubicles yeah, for different types of numbers. He knows about this um, conspiracy or whatever... And he wants yeah. to do some sort of, you know, digging into, like, investigative journalism into Miracles. this mysterious yeah. number thing. And, yeah, he interviews Mark Dark, but we don't... Played by Robert Picardo, by yeah. the way, who we've seen in Motorama. Yeah, and, you know, he just he's like, yeah, I just made up this number and blah, blah, blah. He just comes off as a normal guy but at the very end we find out that mark dark is like the devil yeah and he's like the creator of this 976 number and you're answering to him so i was like is mark dark gonna come here into this movie but he wasn't i knew he wasn't just because the voice at the very beginning like anytime you hear it is much different so in the first one i don't know if robert picardo was doing the voice i'm assuming he did I don't think there's anyone credited with doing the voice in either of the movies. But in the first one, it kind of sounds screamish. It kind of sounds a little bit like Ghostface. Yeah. Uh, here, it just sounds like some random dude. It just sounds like a temporary audio track that they never replaced. I don't know. It, it's very... I don't know. It, it's very uh, anemic. I don't know. It, it's not ominous. It's not menacing in any way. It's just a guy talking to you. You know? Yeah, it's just like, hello. I don't know, just like a regular dude. Just like, It'd be like yeah. if I were to come on and be like, don't forget to kill that girl. Yeah, it's it, not it's, menacing. It's, not it's just like, oh, you didn't do the thing. Yeah. Now I'm gonna come after you. There's someone Damn. stronger than you. Yeah. It, it doesn't have the same gravitas. So, yeah, no Mark Dark. That's one of the bigger negatives going against this movie but the rest of it i think is is largely positive but these 976 cards they find people so robin finds it in a magazine in the coffee shop but she never calls the number 
Uh, in the first movie, Spike finds the, the card, and he does start to call it, and then his cousin calls it more, and, and he becomes the problem in, in that one. In the first movie, yeah. In the first one, yeah. And so, yeah, Spike is now aware of it. He goes... He learns of the killings in Slate River, and then he stops at some bar, and it's a strip club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's, like, watching the stripper... And then all of a sudden the stripper, like the lighting around the stripper goes completely red and she just says, go back in like a denom- more demonic voice than what the actual yeah. phone call is. Yeah. And then the phone just starts ringing on its own and bartender's like, well, you know, what phone? We don't even have a phone over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, like all kinds of like mysterious supernatural stuff happens and whatever. If you're associated with this number, you're pretty much always associated with this number and you can't escape it fully unless you die or whatever yeah it's like you gotta continue to do whatever it says or you die yeah so it's i still wish in both movies i think that they i wish that the phone calls would have been a little bit more prominent um I don't know, I think in the first one they spend a lot much, a little bit too much time in the bullying aspect of things, and they don't really, like, have hoax going back to the phone all that much. They don't have Spike going back to the phone all that much. It just mm-hmm. kind of happens here and there. And then you have some random, unrelated character getting terrorized by the phone. You have, like, two or three people dying that aren't crucial to the plot at all, mm-hmm. or dying because they didn't answer the phone or, or whatever. So that kind of stuff happens. Here... The phone just acts on its own. You don't have a whole lot of people actually actively calling it ever. It's all the phone calling into the real world at key moments when it needs to have something scary happen. Which is a little disappointing as well. You know, there's... We don't see Grubeck calling into the phone except for once. Yeah, and after then the rest he of the killed times, that girl... Yeah, after, after he kills that girl, basically. Oh, no, he's actually on the phone after he gets arrested. Oh, the, That's okay. his one phone call. Yeah, he calls that in line. In prison. And that's when... Okay, yeah, because the first scene is, you know, the girl getting killed. The next scene is, like, another person has been killed, and we found a suspect. Yeah. And that mainly because... During that kill of the girl, Lori, there was, um, like, a custodian mm-hmm. there. Yeah, the janitor, Terrell. The janitor guy. He was in the middle of cleaning that theater, and, you know, he sees all that, so he hasn't yeah, witnessed. He's, he's well, he not, wasn't in the middle of cleaning the theater. He was lying down drunk. Oh, he was drunk. So he was He was there. lying down in the middle of the aisle, sleeping and drinking, and he heard some commotion and woke up and, like, and took he, a drink and looked. Yeah, and saw, you know, oh, it's the dean doing this, and... Yeah. So, yeah, the dean gets caught, and that's after he's in... The jail cell, that's when he calls the 976 number. And that's when he learns that there's still one more person more powerful. And this is where I... So we show him going back into his cell, I guess. And then he, like, does, like, this... It looks like he was dying. It, it looked like he was having, like, a seizure or or he died. And I thought he died. Yeah, he does a lot of body contortions 
Um, yeah. <laughs> similar to what you'd see like in Paranormal Activity or yeah, know, some Blumhouse it... movie of these days where they use digital effects to like crack their bones. He's just doing Yeah, this it one is just him like... And it looks pretty good. Like, going around in the bed. It looks painful. Yeah. And then after that, we think he passes away. And I then thought... his spirit floats out of him. And yeah, and I'm like, oh, he died? So then his ghost is going to finish the job? Right. But we don't know that until like... That's when he goes... Well, soon we find out it's just him astral projecting. But his astral projection self is all, like, decomposed. Like, as if he was dead. Yeah. Every time he kills like another his, person through this astral projection, he gets, like, more and more pockmarks. Yeah, and he's, like, like boils getting weaker. And stuff like that. He really starts to look like the Joker from the 1989 Batman. Okay. He looks a lot like Jack Nicholson's Joker to me. Oh. With like, yeah, especially like a lot of red around the mouth at a certain point in the mm-hmm. movie. And yeah, he just Yeah, kind of looks... and so the first time he, his ghost or his astral projection comes out, he's going to kill that janitor guy. Yeah, because he's the only witness. Yeah. And, and that janitor is in protective custody, but it doesn't matter. Because even though he's guarded, um, <laughs> he appears in, in sort of like a vampire, reverse vampire. He appears in a reflection of the mirrors, but is not visible in the real world. And so Terrell, who is also drunk all the time, he's seeing this person in the mirror reflection that's not actually present like with him. Like next to him, and he's freaking out. But he's out. running away, and he's, he's you know, trying to... He leaves the, the hotel where he's in custody, and sees that the cop that was protecting him is dead and, and Grubeck leads him into out to the middle of the road and makes him get run over by a truck which is kind of like a really cool scene and a bad it's it's like the best of effects and the worst of effects because mm-hmm. the the blue glow stuff and yeah. the green screen blue screen that they're doing with with Grubeck to make him transparent or whatever is not good at all never good in this movie but the practical stuff like seeing Terrell just explode when the truck hits him just like blood and guts everywhere that's awesome (laughs) so you got this you got this mix where you have to kind of accept the cheesiness to get to the the bad stuff I don't know or to get to the good stuff I mean so but after Terrell is dead then we learn, oh, yeah, no, Grubeck is still alive. He was in his cell the whole time, so he couldn't have killed Terrell. Right. And... Even though nobody saw that happen, Robin thinks that that's what happened, and Spike thinks that that's what's happened. Yeah, they they start to work together on trying to figure this out. <laughs> like, it's, the way it's that they meet a... is so weird. Yeah, they just happen upon each other in a diner. And then, like, their second conversation ever is Spike just saying all this stuff about the horror scope and, like, talking about... And she's, like, all in. She's like, oh, okay, I'll help you. Like, she... It's it's really weird. Yeah. That she's extremely accepting of this whole thing all of a sudden. Yeah, she's not even skeptical at all. Like, this random dude from wherever just goes yeah, up to complete her. complete stranger, out-of-town stranger. Like, comes up to her and just starts telling her all this shit about, like, 
this, the phone number and whatever, and she automatically <laughs> yeah. believes in. She's like, okay, I will help you. And then they end up, you know, like I don't know, just, I don't. Know. They they get to, love interests. Yeah, but sort of happens. love interests for like a minute. Yeah, as much as could happen, considering what happens in the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. But. I mean, that's fine. I don't have a problem with them being love interests. It was just weird that the yeah, first conversation is... Yeah, it's just the way that the fries. thing... The second conversation is... It's like, hey, oh, there's hey. This number the... that has Satan on the other side of it. Come help me. Yeah. And she's like... And then it's like in the middle of... I don't know. It's like the middle of the night. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go help this guy out. And, and like, ditches her friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I was just like, and the way... It's, it's also really weird how the relationship between Robin and her dad is handled, because you'd think yeah. that... I mean, they're treated like Robin's dad, who is basically a psychiatric evaluation guy for the police station. He's dressed like Mr. Rogers. He's not dressed like a cop. He's dressed Yeah, like... I was like... Who... He looks like Mr. Feeney, but he... Dresses like Who Mr. Is he? Yeah, I was like, I know he was her father, but I was like, what is his role? He does some sort of psychiatric work for the police station, but they act like he's there all the time because yeah. you never have a scene with Robin and the dad at home at night talking about anything together. It's always at the police station, like the two or three times that they actually converse. Yeah. Except at the very end with the stupid ending that we will talk about. Yeah. Uh, so it's... It's it's Robin on her own, and we don't know what happened to the mother, if anything. You yeah, know, that, it's always that's not like these scary movies. It's always like a single parent. Um, yeah, she's like a very yeah. She's kind of like this popular girl. But like, she is really also in nice. community college, so maybe she's not living with the dad. But either way, like you know, go visit him and talk to him about it. Oh, he seems Whatever. like he's really hard on her because just the way she acts around him like she's kind of scared of him or something well i think it makes or sense to be or... worried to bring up this whole supernatural because he won't believe her yeah i mean yeah because no... when he when when she does he doesn't like no one believes anyone except for her believing in spike <laughs> it's just yeah spike is the only one that believes it because he's lived through it and no one else does so, I don't know, it's just weird that they establish this relationship and, and then they don't really do anything with it between the dad and Robin. That's all. That's all I'm saying, really. Um, but they need to kill more people. Alright, so you gotta get more people involved who can put a wrench into Mr. Grubeck's plans to get out of prison. And so now you have this lawyer who is... Um, Susan Lawler, they like they put law in the name, so you know it's a law lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> law, let's just call her Susan Lawyer, Miss <laughs> <laughs> Prosecution. Law <laughs> yeah, she's kind of like how in the first movie, um, the she wasn't the principal, she was the guidance counselor like she was like she had like the same role yeah i mean she might have been we didn't know if she was the principal or the guidance counselor in the first one she just kind of appeared halfway through and then became a central figure in the last scene for yeah. some unknown reason 
this lady is just there to die. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we get introduced to her, she has a couple lines of dialogue, and then Grubeck says, drive safely, and what do you know, here comes, like, a really long sequence of her crashing into a whole bunch of stuff in her car. Yeah, it's which is but Robin a has good like a sequence. <laughs> yeah, Robin has a premonition of it before it even happening, yeah, and then and while tries to tell her dad, yeah, and her dad's like, whatever, and while Robin is just driving down a street, it's happening. Yeah, and this is another case where Lawler does not call the phone. Grubeck yeah. just takes over the car stereo, calls her phone, takes over the car, you know, has complete control over anything and everything that he wants to have control yeah, this over. Yeah, se- this was, like, the best scene. I don't know. <laughs> it was. It, and it's long, but I was, like, cool that it was long. It's very, very crunchy. There's a lot of cars hitting other cars very, very hard. Yeah, I was I was just like with a lot of close up camera work where you know the the camera is very close to these crashes and everyone's moving, including the camera. It's very yeah, I just very well I done. figured yeah, I was like figuring out how they did this because it looked like a real car chase crash scene. A lot of a lot of used cars were destroyed that right. Day. It's just and yeah, I liked this car chase scene. And I think it also helps to have, I think the, I think the only actual song, we'll get into that a little bit later Yeah, too, I, I like the song that was playing while she was going down this rampage. <laughs> it, it was called Pushing Too Hard by a group called The Seeds, who were like a 1960s group. And as far as I know, that's the only like licensed music that they used in this. But it's, you know, like a psychedelic rock song. And it just, it's so good. Yeah, it's just like this rockabilly kind of, yeah, psychedelic song. Um, and and then it, 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 she's like going, yeah, it's like a lot of these death scenes are the types of death scenes that I wish I saw in Nightmare on Elm Street. Like yeah. Freddy's final nightmare. Yeah, no, this this movie is does the Freddy Krueger type of stuff better than Freddy's Dead did. Yeah, yeah the the Freddy's Dead movie because like the ones like one or the yeah the, the one we the one we saw. Yeah, the nineteen ninety nine <laughs> one. The, I mean, 91. the ones that were in the eighties, those death scenes were good. This reminds me of that death scene of the guy that was on the motorcycle and then all of a sudden like Freddy takes over like his body sort of and his mm. hands are like stuck on the motorcycle and he's going like super fast and he's like going up in flames. That's kind of like what this reminded me of. Yeah, and Lawler's crash culminates into her driving into this transformer and so and sh- all kinds of sparks and explosions up. and stuff like that too. I, but I thought because Ruby or Robin, whatever. Robin mm. had that premonition. I thought Robin was gonna try and stop it. I mean, she does try and stop it. She does try to stop it, but her car also gets hit. But she doesn't succeed. She was on the road because she, she didn't know when it was gonna happen. I thought she was gonna succeed in helping oh. her. That's what I thought was going to happen, but it just happened exactly what happened in her dream no instead she makes it to the the end crash scene and she's just you know waiting for it and she sees grubeck come out of the flames 
um, again, like I said, looking like the Joker, in my opinion. Um, getting very pervy, I think, at that point. Yeah, because he's like... Well, and then disappearing she used to work for up. like in his office, and he's like, "I've always thought you were pretty and shit like that." Yeah, like I knew you were the one ever since I laid eyes on you. Type of a uh, conversation. Well, he's it's... like forty five, and she's eighteen or whatever, and he's some pervy dude. So it, yeah, that's. I mean, he's he's evil, right? So <laughs> it, it's it just... works. Yeah, but I mean, whenever when they when they found out that like the school found out that Professor Grubeck was the killer, everyone's like, he's just like a normal quiet yeah he was, guy. Even Robin was like, oh no, I mean he's always been the nicest to me, never any indication of any sort of problem. Yeah. Also, no indication of that flirting probably in the real life either. Yeah. At that time, so it's only until so he, really he probably starts to called go that number tonight. and he was like, I want this young little girl lady. What Maybe. can I do or some shit? It could be. Yeah, we don't know what his initial reasoning was. Yeah, we don't... Because in the first movie, the reason was, like, you know, the kid was getting bullied. Yeah, and then Spike, I forget. I think he just wanted money at first. Yeah, I think he called just to be, like... Because he was losing like, his poker game to the, the other yeah. kids. But, yeah, it, it... We don't know why he did it, other than... At some point, it seems like everybody who keeps with it always just wants more and more power they want to be yeah they just want to the ultimate well, the being. more yeah because um like it's kind of like drugs or whatever it's like after yeah. the first time you're yeah. like i need more it's like you're becoming like greedy and greedier yeah it's a satanic panic it's it's a you know yeah, the gateway. first movie Literal is gateway. very satanic panic. Like, this is kind of just like two young people trying this to is, yeah, this is catch more, or end this thing. This is more for Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's a, an amazing sequence. But then another cool death is when her friend died. Yeah. That's... That honestly surprised me as to how well done it was. So you have Robin and Paula. So Robin's going over to Paula's to kind of just be away from things. Um, meanwhile, should we talk about how Spike goes over to the shop called Lucifer's? Because that happens a little bit before that. Right, because he's trying to find out... Um, how he's doing this. How he's doing it, and then the shop owner Agnes by Brigitte Nielsen in in a in a cameo that she made because she lost a bet to the director mm. I mean <laughs> she only appeared fine. in this because they played like a game of pool and Jim uh White I don't yeah, know how to pronounce his name won and, and so now she's she had to be in this movie she had to be in this movie I though. mean she has the look of being like you know a witch or as spike says uh elvira on steroids yeah exactly like right. not like you know like a hot witch or like a vampire type whatever and so yeah she runs she's the like occult this, store called she runs, Lucifer. he goes to this one <laughs> occult store that looks exactly like the store that was in buffy the vampire slayer like not the movie the show yeah like 10 years later they could have just 
taken all of the set pieces from this and made it into that show. Or maybe they did. I don't know. Um, yeah, long fog-filled road, and then there, there it is. Yeah, and, she, you know, he's asking about astral projection, and she gives him all these books about it. They get all flirty and whatnot. And, yeah, and that's it. But And he obviously reads them, because then he finds out how to astral project. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they even say that it happens because of either, one, extreme duress, or you have to be sleeping in order to do it. One of the two has to be happening, which is weird. Yeah. Those are weird ones. I don't know. <laughs> Those are diametrically opposed conditions. You know, extreme calm or or extreme duress. Right, and then so, it kind of. I'm trying to, you know, like the movie Insidious. Sure. Wasn't that astral projecting, a little boy? Or was that like sleep paralysis Ooh. demons? Or was it like a dream world type of a thing? I thought he astro projected into a different world and he was stuck in that world. But it also had like that demon that was following him. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably. What... I mean, there's probably been a lot of stuff that's dealt with the same. You're probably right. But it doesn't, it doesn't present itself in the same way as this movie does. Yeah. This is more like ghost. Yeah, you can you turn yourself into. Where Patrick Swayze can like interact with different stuff. No, if he but that because he's dead and he's in. But you can still like manipulate world. But you can still manipulate objects, is what I mean. It, it's yeah. that type of thing where they're the astral projections are basically like ghosts who can do some stuff. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Whereas Insidious, I think, was more like its own separate dimension in a way, but. Yeah, so he learns how to do it. And, and so he's, he's going to come to see Robin to tell him the plan, to tell her the plan of, you know, here's what we got to do in order to finally stop Grubeck. I learned how to do it. Here's our thing. But they're going to meet up at Paula's. Paula is a friend that we get introduced to, like, very, very briefly uh, at one point. And then... Yeah, she she's the person that Robin ditched to go hang out with Spike after just meeting him for the second time yeah she has a she has two lines of dialogue and then becomes the central person at this last yeah. act and um so they're watching tv and they're flipping between the channels two different classic movies you got it's a wonderful life on one channel and then night of the living dead on the other yeah and two you know and robin robin wants movies to, at the time robin doesn't want to watch anything yeah, horror. So she's like, I want to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And it's like them going back and forth. Yeah, and just playfully saying, oh, no, I want to watch zombies. And then, no, like, Christmas. Yeah, right. zombie Christmas. And then Robin gets up to get popcorn or something. Mm-hmm. And that's when um, Grubeck is in the TV, like, in some random commercial. Yeah, it's this fake commercial with this really cheesy couple... And it's for this device called the Zappomatic. So they yeah, I mean this super... is Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. I mean that that's yeah. kind of just like how Freddy Krueger would have been like in the TV. Like he's making like he's cracking jokes. Yeah. In this commercial, so, and then you know, and that also reminded me of like the scene with uh, Brick and Meyer, because. 
wasn't he just playing a video game and then he all of a sudden just gets sucked into the video game? Yes. And then, but this girl, she gets sucked into a combination of It's a Wonderful Life and, you know, Night of the Living Dead. And I, like, I was like, how did they do that? Because it was, like, so well done. They... Yeah. Because she's okay. like with the cast of these people. Yeah, it's not like um, it's not like you can see Jimmy Stewart's face and hers facing the same direction. What they do is they take like actual sequences of the movie, and then you see the reverse shot of you know like her looking at the back of people's heads. Yeah. You know, but like they match every with... extra, like, exactly, it seems. You know, like... So they had people that look like the people in these movies. Yeah. From the 50s or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so they, they had all these different extras who were made up to look like the extras. I mean, it's dressed really up in well done. Because then it's like because, her yeah, watching Jimmy Stewart put like the angel's wings, whatever, on the whatever. Yes. <laughs> on, the, on the And the townspeople the very... coming together to give him, you know, the, the money and praise or whatever. I, I, yeah, <laughs> all the, that kind of like stuff that happens. It's like the very end of It's a Wonderful Life when the guy comes in. It's like, hey, you have money. Yeah, you're the richest guy. <laughs> Uh, and, and so yeah, like there. she's in the back of the crowd, so you can't see her from like the normal shot that would appear yeah. in the movie, but in a different angle than she's there, and it just it matches. She's, like, she's just like, what the fuck? For and then all of a sudden, those people from It's a Wonderful Life turn into zombies and yeah. come after her. They turn around and they're all now in that Night of Living Dead style makeup. You know, the little bit lackluster compared to zombies now you know like oh, night yeah of living, i mean yeah night of living dead was like the first one in unless like greg nicotero was he did he do any he probably didn't do not anything. in the first one no but um i think maybe dawn or maybe day he did but but he didn't do like makeup for this movie oh i didn't look well i but don't it, think he would. either way it was it was exactly mimicking the style of makeup that they did in the 1968 night of living dead um and you have the little girl, Jimmy Stewart's daughter, is now like the main lead zombie as opposed to um, the the little girl who was in Night of Living Dead. Or the little boy, I think it was. It's been a while. Mm. Anyway, the little kid who, uh, you know, wants to stab. That's, that's no, whatever. Um, and she dies in, in the movie. And then she dies in... Real life. Real life. Robin comes out with the popcorn and sees her stabbed. So it's... Oh, by the way, IMDb Trivia also says that that was originally planned to be like a video game sequence, sort of like what Breckenmeyer's uh, was, but it would have been too much of a budget, I guess. Huh. It would have cost too much to do that, so they did this I'd rather mashup, and this, this than yeah, yeah. the video game thing. Yeah, I think this is much more iconic um but it's like do you need permission to show and do that so both of these movies at the time were copyright free oh okay so for whatever reason i don't really know how the copyright laws fully work um but george romero famously 
goofed up <laughs> and did not put the proper copyright information in attached to this movie. And so it's basically public domain. Anyone can release any version of Night of Living wonder, they want. It's a wonderful life, too. It was, but somehow those rights went back to somebody now. But at the time that this was made, they were both public domain. So anybody could do anything with them, distribute right. them, broadcast them, whatever. That's partly why It's a Wonderful Life was on TV so much, is because anybody could do it. I mean, it still is. Yeah, but I mean, it was even more so back then because, you know, no one had to pay anybody. Now you have to pay somebody if you want to show it. Um, anyway, Spike has a plan. Yeah, he's going to astral project. Yeah. But we don't oh, see him. We also have to say that Grubeck is there with, you know, after after Paula's dead. Grubeck is there, and he calls the cops and imitates Robin's voice to say that she was the one who killed Paula. Basically, like, I killed my best friend. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that also, way. like, Freddy Krueger-ish, mm-hmm. too. Um, and so now she has to run away. Spike is there, and it's like, okay, here's And they plan. go to, like some scenic road with like a bunch of mountains or whatever and to run away the the plan is spike will get grubeck to chase him Mm -hmm. astrally yes and then robin will go to the cell and kill him physically because again he'll have to either be asleep or be under extreme physical duress to do to the astral. astral project. So yes. if he will be sleeping, you can kill him in his sleep while he's chasing me. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. And so there's this big motorcycle slash semi-truck chase that happens, um, which is not nearly as exciting as the car scene with Lawler. Lawler. Uh, <laughs> but you do have Grubeck doing the, you know, trucker stuff and honking his horn, you know, yeah, I mean, it's all, still exactly like Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, and at some point, Robin gets to the station, finds that basically everybody is dead. Well, not everyone's dead, because like some of the cops show up later it's on. It's the but one like, guy that had a crush on her. I forgot his name. Or... Taylor? Yeah. Uh, I think I think she calls him by his first name, if I forget what, Jody, Jody Taylor. Yeah. Uh, so, but she sees like three or four cops. It's completely empty. The entire station is completely empty. No one else works there except for like these three cops, evidently. And two of them are off doing something else. And then two of them are dead, including Taylor. Mm -hmm. And she goes to the cell and opens the fucking cell door to go in and shoot. When she could have just, you know, point the gun through the bars bars. and do it that way. And then maybe open the cell to confirm that he's dead, if you want to. Yeah. But don't open the cell first, because she pulls back the covers to confirm that he's there, and he's like basically like, boo! Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. startles her and then starts a chase scene again. Right. So now he's chasing both of them, which also kind of like throws... astral projectingly and then physically. But it's like, how can you do... So is he... he can or did still... he kill Spike by that point? Well, yeah, he died. Because Spike dies, he, like... I don't really know why or how it all works. Because but... I thought he... When he died, I thought that's when he started to fully astral project. That's what it looked because, like. Because... Um, 
at the end, they embrace Robin and Spike. And I thought he was still alive. So was she embracing his astral project, projected self? I guess. But how? Because he's ghost-like. But was that before he was fully dead? Was that... I thought he died and then turned into the astral projection. Uh, I thought... See, okay, I thought the extreme physical duress of him getting into the crash and, like, the flaming Made him thing. do that? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, that got... It was, like, a lot of stuff happening, like, in the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, the, the chase is a little bit anticlimactic, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as to why Spike would try to go underneath the semi the way he does, or why the semi actually tries to turn and just, like, stop itself. Like, none of that really makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but Spike evidently dies from that explosion. Um, oh, there's dynamite. Spike has dynamite that he's going to use to blow up the truck. So that's part of it. So I guess he was planning to kill himself? But I thought he was... Whatever. I thought he was going to Astro... Whatever the... I don't, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> make a whole lot of sense. What, the truck blows like, up real good. I thought he was astral projecting at that point, so his astral projected self was doing all this, not his physical self. That's what I thought. I don't know, unless he's like laying there dying, and that's and he's astral projecting while he's laying there dying, dying? after blowing up the truck. Yeah. Because uh, Robin lures Grubeck to the point, which is where Spike and them were going to meet up after everything all went according to plan. Spike's not there. Uh, but he is there with the astral projection at some point. There's a big-ass cliff, and he just, as an astral projection, he's, he punches Grubeck off the fucking cliff. Yeah, and, th- and that's it. He's dead. And that's it. Yeah, he's dead. That's and all. then their embrace is like, Robin and Spike's embrace is like the cheesiest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. That's like... That's like the effects that I wish we would have seen in, and, and you thought your parents were weird. Yeah. It's like really Care Bears like. I was like, stars why and stuff. they shouldn't have done this? <laughs> well, I mean, it made me laugh. I mean, great that they showed it because I was cracking up. But I was like, why from all this scary stuff you show this cheesy like they embrace, they kiss, and then these fake video game looking fireworks appear in the sky, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like a falling star or whatever it's like the more you know thing going by <laughs> yeah. and then it's like, like the what? fireworks the end of the fisher king was the end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i was like i don't know it made me laugh but i was like but why yeah include that what is going on and then that's when like the cops arrive <laughs> yeah like the ending just was like it's does not they could have just, like, it could have ended with Grubeck dying and then the end. And then it's, like, further, it, it went from, like, cheesiness to, like, what the hell is going on? Because the cops come by and they just arrest Robin. Yeah. Like, the dad's like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't believe you um, when you said that Grubeck was doing all this stuff. But and, and we then... found his dead body <laughs> and we think Spike did it. But Spike, but Spike is died. dead, so he couldn't have done it. So you so did you it. So you did it, because you're here, and Grubeck did it. And now we're going to arrest you. Right. And then that's the end. <laughs> and I was like, she can't even speak for herself and say, hey, this motherfucker was going to kill us. It's like the end of Deadly Silence. 
Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, just like, what the fuck? Uh, and then but it, that's, that's not exactly the end because it does pan over to a phone that rings and then the credits start. Yeah. But, but like, poor Robin, honestly. I don't. It's. It's the kind of dumb ending that you kind of expect from these movies. That's, but I was like enjoying it up until the cheesiness and then that fucked up ending. <laughs> yeah, that's. The ending was laughable, laughably bad. The other stuff, you're laughing with the movie. Yeah, ending, you're, you're like, haha, this is cheesy. And then, but then all of a sudden, you're like, what? Yeah, the ending. You're then you're angry at. because this poor girl like saved the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then now, I mean, that's kind of like how you know all these supposed heroes are. Like they always get arrested, and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But her father just, like, turns her in. Like, what a fucking dick. No, he's like, don't say anything, don't say anything. I mean, he can't do anything because uh, the other cop, Stony Stone, he's he's the one who's arresting her. And he's basically saying, like, yeah, Robin, don't say a word because he knows that she's being arrested, which is stupid, whatever. Self-defense. Clearly self-defense. Yeah, you don't have law lore anymore. I know. The one lawyer in town, law lore, is gone. So there's like five people in law enforcement in this entire town, and three of them are dead at least. That's it. No Mark Dark. Uh, but overall, again, more enjoyable than the first one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I liked the first one. It was. I didn't hate the first no, one. No, I didn't I either. liked it. And I liked that. That also one. has a really good opening death scene with like the guy exploding from the phone booth and being pushed away from it and everything towards the right, camera. Right, yeah. But. I think this one also had, like, really good music. So not just the seeds, but also just the score in general. I mean, it didn't really fit the movie a whole lot. It was more like a fantasy epic score, but it was still good, like, synth orchestral vibes. Mm -hmm. It was cool. It was done by Chuck Serino, who will do a whole bunch of other 1991 movies. The other weird thing about the music, did you notice this at all in the credits? Mm. Okay. Um, all right, so I'll save that for last as I go through cast and crew. A little mini pausing on the credits, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> so this was directed by Jim Wynorski. Uh, he will direct the 1991 movie Beastmaster 2. He also wrote the movies... Oh, I'm sorry, both of these were writing. He wrote Beastmaster 2 and Final Embrace, the 1991 movies. He's directed a whole bunch of stuff. He's still going very, very strong with the, the cheesy, schlocky stuff. Um, he's done Chopping Mall, Deathstalker 2, Sorority House Massacre 2, Hard to Die, Munchie, Ghoulies 4, Body Chemistry 3 and 4. He's done a ton of stuff, not only under his actual name, but also under aliases like Jay Andrus and Harold Blueberry and Sam Pepperman. You know, if it's, if it's cheesy, he does it, and he also likes to do a lot of sequels to things as we see like he specifically tries to do sequels to things but he's very prolific in this genre of exploitation type of horror sex romps whatever action mm -hmm. eric greenberg eric greenberg anjou he was the writer and also he was a detective in one scene uh, at one point when he's asking for the phone call he makes a little cameo appearance there uh, he also wrote the 1991 movie road to ruin and he also wrote The Cool Service, which he also directed, and mostly does documentaries now. Debbie James was Robin. She'll be in the 1991 movie Future Kick. 
She's been in things like LA Heat, Days of Our Lives, Passion. She was a former Star Search winner, but I don't know what she won on Star Search. Probably the spokesmodel. Remember that they, you know, they had that. Maybe a singer because she has done some singing. Uh, she was in the Bon Jovi Bad Medicine video, and she's been married to Bob Eubanks, the TV game show host since yeah, 2004. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, how much older is he from her? Quite a lot. Quite a lot. But they met and married in 2004, and as far as I know, they're still married. Uh, Renee Asa played Mr. Grubeck, I think, really well. He, he gave a great performance as a villain. He didn't do a whole lot of other notable major roles. He was in things called Why Me and also Deep Cover, which is uh, probably a relatively well-known movie. Uh, he's also in three episodes of the 1991 show DEA. Mm. That's his only other 1991 credit. Patrick O'Brien, he quit acting after this year. Um, after Astral Projecting? After like Astral Projecting, dumb. that was it. He also was in 1991's Blood and Concrete, but after that, no more. He was in 976 Evil Part 1, the only returning cast member technically. There was another person who plays a woman who's like a receptionist in this movie, and then she gets killed in the other movie. Mm. But, yeah, he's, he's the only main cast member to return. He's also been in things like No Holds Barred, Relentless, but not tons. And like I said, he stopped acting. Philip McKeon is Taylor. He got a special mention in the credits. Like it's like a special appearance by Philip McKeon, who played Taylor, the goofy um, second banana cop in this. I think he got that message mentioned because he was Tommy in the TV show Alice for about 10 years, 196 episodes. So he had a lot of name recognition from that, as well as things like Return to Horror High and Sandman and Ghoulies 4 would come later. Uh, he passed away in 2019. But he's also the brother of Nancy McKeon, who was in Facts of Life. Oh. Which I didn't realize. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Ryan played Paula. Uh, she's been in things like Another Chance, Terror in Paradise, and Body Chemistry 4. The dad, Dr. Jameson, was played by Rod McCrary. She, he's been in a bunch of stuff. A lot of 1991 TV appearances. He's done episodes of Night Court, Father Dowling Mysteries, and Baby Talk. Uh, he is best known for Harbor Valley, PTA, Herbie Rise Again, Night of the Demons 2, bunch of bunch of stuff. Uh, I will mention that we have uh, Karen Mayo Chandler play Lori, the first girl to die. She was in a whole bunch of these types of movies as well. Hamburger, Strip to Kill, Hard to Die, Savage Harbor. It's kind of her thing to kind of get like... Killed? Killed and naked on camera. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Monique Gabrielle, though. She takes a little bit more of a uh, lead role. She played Lawler. She'll be in the 1991 movies Uncaged and Body Chemistry 2, but she's been Emmanuel in Emmanuel 5. That's like a very sexually charged series of movies. She was in Death Stalker 2, Amazon Women in the Moon, Silk 2, Evil Tunes, Munchie, and Angel Eyes. George Book Flower played Terrell. He'll be in a couple other movies, Soldier's Fortune and Camp Fear. And then he also wrote the movies Party Plane and Death Falls, which are also 1991. So we'll see and hear his words <laughs> in future episodes. Bridget Nielsen, we already talked about. She has a Razzie nomination for Bye Bye Baby and Cobra. She also has a Razzie nomination for Worst Actress for Red Sonja. 
And she won Razzies for Worst Supporting Actress in Rocky IV and Worst New Star for Rocky IV and Red Sonja. Yeah. I don't know. I I liked Red Sonja growing up. The Razzie people did not. I don't know. I never saw it. Oh, I mean, I liked it as a kid. I don't. I have not seen it, and there is, there are funny parts. I mean, it's cheesy. I haven't seen it in like fifteen years. I, I'd be interested Mainly to see it. Mainly because like I, I Arnold is funny in it. Like his <laughs> acting is bad in that. Like he probably um, also got razzed. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't look, but it's highly possible. Um, we'll we'll double check his Razzie creds when we get to T two, I guess. Uh, but Bridget Nielsen has also been in things like Beverly Hills Cop two, Domino, Chained Heat two, Body Count, Creed two. She makes an appearance. You know, her Rocky oh, four character comes back in Creed two, evidently. Even um, though they didn't like her, and the just, I don't know. Well, the Razzie people weren't in charge of casting, so I, 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 yeah. <laughs> it works. And then I knew her from like the, the surreal life and yeah. Um, the surreal i went flavor like flavor of love spin-off thing. yeah when you were looking i was looking up i just went down like a nostalgia rabbit hole and i'm like i've missed the surreal life so much the early 2000s vh1 shows and then the last name to okay. talk about is one that uh looks like you missed on the credits vincent d'onofrio appears in the credits of this movie credited for the songs deep fry spooky talkin and bad doggin I don't remember hearing any songs with lyrics other than the one by the seeds. Yeah, the one... During the chase scene. So I don't know if these songs have lyrics or where they appeared, but Vincent D'Onofrio, the actor, is credited with three songs in this movie. So. Evidently not too noticeable or memorable. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, of course, known for things like, you know... Full Metal Jacket and Mystic Pizza at this point, so he hadn't really his his star hadn't fully risen yet, so he's still kind of trying out a whole bunch of different stuff, and uh, he'll be in several different 1991 movies. So we'll talk about him again when we talk about either Crooked Hearts, Dying Young, Fires Within, or JFK. He's in all of those. So that's cast and crew. No awards to talk of, which is not surprising for a direct-to-video movie, but. If Fangoria considers those types of things, I'm a little surprised it didn't get any sort of Chainsaw nominations, but not my decision. We'll go on to true crime and pop culture. Okay, well, this was released on December 31st, 1991, which was a Tuesday, and I'm just going to talk about what was on TV at that time, because, you know... It was New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, on NBC during like around 8 p.m., they had the Orange Bowl parade. And I saw a couple, I have a couple of um, clips, but it's only the beginning of the parade and the very end. But yeah. it was hosted by Lonnie Anderson and Burt Reynolds with their son. And it was like the most, <laughs> it's funny to watch, because Burt Reynolds just looks like he doesn't really want to be there. Yeah, and he then always when, looks like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then, <laughs> it's just, it was making me laugh. And, you know, Lonnie's trying to like. Trying to do a good job. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to do a good job, and he's like, yeah, whatever. 
And then they have their son there who's just kind of also like, yeah, whatever, until the very end where they sign off. And Burt Reynolds tells his son, like, say Happy New Year. And the kid's like, hey, everybody. Like, he just starts going nuts on the the microphone. How old is the son at this point? He's like four, maybe. Oh, okay. Because that changes a lot of perceptions of this whole thing. Yeah, like, I thought yeah. like a teenager no, or something. No, no, no. I don't, the, I don't they, remember how long they had been together at that point. I don't know. Yeah, at least four years. Well, they, they this son, is they adopted him oh. in like 1988. Well, so. then at least two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then Burt Reynolds is like, trying to get him to say happy new year and then he's like whatever that that means happy new year in whatever language he's saying <laughs> i don't I, I have the so you just like talking the youtube clips of the beginning and end of the orange bowl okay they're both like three minutes long and um so the orange bowl is the next day which is you know january 1st but on January 1st, 1992, it was Miami Hurricanes versus the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh-huh. And Miami Hurricanes won 22-0. Sorry, Nebraska, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. And then I also looked up stuff on YouTube for anything with nineteen, like New Year's Eve. 1991 and I found random small clips of like Dick Clark but then there was one that was 20 minutes long where it was like a person that was channel switching different channels channel surfing oh yeah channel surfing whatever (laughs) (laughs) just different channels just different people celebrating New Year's Eve, and it was mostly, like, Dick Clark, but then there was, like, it was going from, like, ABC to NBC to Fox to, like, something else, like, MTV. It was just, like, whoever was channel surfing and put it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, like, a VHS thing. And then all the commercials were taken out, which sucked. Yeah, because... You want to see those. Well, yeah, we do now. We do. I mean, yeah, you don't want to see it, like, back then, but now I want to see it. But some of the stuff that they show is mostly um, Penn and Teller doing a lot of the hosting. But it's funny on this YouTube video, we'll put it on the website, Teller, like every time they show Penn and Teller, they're like dressed up in a different outfit or Teller's doing something off to the side. And there was one, there was a couple times where like, while Penn is talking about, like, the ball drop or whatever, Teller's, like, taking a bunch of, like, flags out of his mouth or whatever. Okay. And then, like, the next time they show them talking again, they're both wearing different clothes or whatever, and then Teller has, like, a snake around his neck. It was just fun to watch that. Mm. And then it shows, like, Jay Leno, because I guess this is right when he became... He was about to become a, become yeah. a host of The Tonight Show, and it was just him doing a monologue. Yay. I know. <laughs> and then it showed a couple of live performances. One was by Guns N' Roses, and they sang Live and Let Die. And then they did like another performance by 
comedian Bruce Baum. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was just him doing his prop comedy, and I was, uh, I don't know. Bruce Baum, um, if you're not very familiar, and if you know who the comedian Gallagher is, they look very similar physically, except Bruce Baum is a bigger, whiter fellow. Yeah, he's a big guy, and he's got, like, a big, bushier... Big, bushy, red hair and mustache. Yeah. And he also does props. It was, like, mm-hmm. a very 90s thing yeah. to do props, and it wasn't really funny. I think Carrot Top is the only one that kind of uh, was able now. to take it and run with it with any major, major success, yeah. Yeah. And then... This is, uh, since we have been doing our 900 numbers, we chose a 1991 900 number where they read tarot cards. Because this is all about horoscopes. Yes. So we'll play that now. Your telephone could be the key to your future. Find out now by calling 1-900-976-7878. Could be in your cards. Find out now by calling 1 900 976 7878. You'll talk live to one of our counselors and share the dark secrets of the tarot cards and the psychic world at 1 900 976 7878. Good luck in money and love could be just a phone call away. $3 per minute must be 18 for entertainment only, unlimited talk time. So $3 per minute, unlimited talk time. However long you want to do it. Didn't sound like there's a minimum at least. No, that's. Just push 666 to get your horoscope. Yeah. You'd be good to go. The dark tarot card reading. This one, is, this one seemed pleasant. <laughs> it wasn't like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it didn't sound mysterious or anything like that. Yeah, it didn't sound as, um, it definitely sounded more entertainment purposes rather than some of the other yeah later like, horoscope. Uh, like, let me tell you if... You're gonna make money in the future. Type well, that's what that's like. You need money or a love life yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Those are fun. Yeah, and that's all I have. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put nine seven six evil two? I'm trying to remember what I gave popcorn. But I think popcorn, I mean, in terms of like horror movies for the year of 1991, a lot of them suck. Like the only horror movie that we saw so far, or horror movies that we saw so far that came out this year that are good are People on Their Stairs and Popcorn. Mm-hmm. And I like this one. But... I don't like how it ended, and then that weird cheesy moment. I was like, okay, no. Yeah, some of the effects are still uh, bad. I think I'm just gonna give it a two. Okay. Yeah, horror is unfortunately a little bit so far. Not like so... of the horror movies we've seen, we've seen like what, like eight. To, even Mom. I mean, I like yeah, Mom. Yeah, Mom was good. But yeah. even though that was, I kind of like this more than Mom. On a. I think what. The death scenes. I, I do too. The death scenes yeah, are I like what this make one it. the mom too. I think what makes this a little bit tougher is I mean, horror wise, there wasn't a lot theatrically for nineteen ninety one. You know, we were just going through like what's gonna come up in October for this and there's not there's it's slim pickings. 
for like major horror There's movies just a in nineteen ninety one. It's a lot sequels. of sequels. A lot of it's sequels. It's like number four or number five of random sequels. So, you know, maybe we'll find some good horror stuff in that mix as we go on, but it's it's more of a commitment to watch, you know, two, three, four, five movies to get to the nineteen ninety one one. So I don't know, we'll see. I, I'm with you though. I think it's it's one of the better ones. Pe- People under Stairs is gonna be really hard to beat. Oh yeah. Because there's so much social commentary sort of built in that, that bolsters everything that's there in the presentation otherwise. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like my expectations going in versus what I got, I was blown away. Um, on my zero to four star scale, I think I'm gonna go with a three. Mm, okay. I mean, yeah, it does have your problems, like like you said, with the ending and some of the special I mean, yeah, effects. The, but the death otherwise. scenes are just what. That's what I want to see in a horror movie is like cool death scenes. Yeah, this and gave me pretty much everything delivered. I wanted to see. <laughs> this gave me pretty much everything I wanted to see. Yeah. Uh, every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch it again? Yeah. I would too. I am a little surprised they didn't do a third one. I'd I mean, be open to who another would third come one. back? I mean, they would I mean, just the choose still another active. person. Yeah, just choose another person. They can do like five hundred of these. And the just, phone line's still keep, there. Yeah, they can keep going. Yeah. It would be cool if they did it now with like cell phones. Sure. Maybe they have, and we just don't know it. Oh, maybe I don't know. Anyway, if you out there want to watch 976 Evil 2 as of this recording in September 2022, it's available on Hoopla, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. Check your local listings because that can change. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991moviewind.gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991movie for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we officially start Horror Month. We just finished USA Up All Night Month with a horror movie, but we're going on Horror Month in October, starting with Body Parts. That's available on digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks. <laughs>